Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Face Your Fears. Face Your Fears. I think we all deal with fears from time to time. Regular, real fear. God has given us the emotion of fear for very good reasons. But there are those times when our fears become irrational and they become overwhelming and they become mixed with anxiety. And we start to make really bad decisions because of fear. Because feeling trapped is no fun at all. That feeling where you just think, I'm stuck. I'm not going anywhere. Today, you may feel stuck in your singleness, or stuck in your marriage, or stuck in your unemployment, or stuck in your neighborhood, or stuck in your financial condition, or stuck in your spiritual condition, wherever it might be. You just look at, you're looking at your life today, you're assessing it, looking forward, looking to the left, looking to the right, peeking on over your shoulder, and you're like, man, I just, there's just no way out. There's just no way out. And it is true that we live with a lot of different dangers and hazards and difficulties in life, and it does stir up fear, but it's so easy to be gripped by and paralyzed by irrational fears. Maybe that's you today. You're discouraged. You're overwhelmed. Your current situation is overwhelming because as you try to figure things out, you just don't see any change coming. You don't see any release. There's no way out. But that's part of the problem, isn't it? You're stuck in your head. You're you're stuck in your own thinking. You've been perhaps even isolating yourself and pulling away so that the only input in your life is yourself. Or, or your immediate family, and it's all the same thing, and it's just so discouraging because you're stuck in your head, and you're stuck in a type of thinking that where you're concluding that God isn't available and that God won't help, and it's depleted your hope, and it has sapped your faith, and it has worn you thin, even to the point where you have forgotten, you have forgotten most likely a passage of Scripture that you memorized, and that you've known since you were a youth. You have forgotten Psalm 23, verse 4, where it starts out, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will no evil. So easy to forget. He says, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Fear coupled with anxiety These two emotions can often cause an otherwise rational, logical person to do a lot of irrational, illogical things. And besides all of the other issues and things that are going on in our lives, we're coming out of a very difficult year, perhaps one of the most difficult. And we're living in a culture with all sorts of narratives surrounding the pandemic and restrictions and everyone wanting a piece of your ear and wanting you to follow their opinions. And it's created a lot of irrational fears. 
what started out, of course, real fear, real concern, perhaps even in a high-risk category of life, has turned into something irrational, isolation. And now we're just waiting. There's some of you are just waiting. Well, you know, we'll know it's okay when they say. What do you mean when they say? It's okay now to walk by faith. God wants you to walk by faith, trusting him with your life. And somehow, the whole thing has gotten our eyes off. Well, you know, when I get the vaccination, things will be well. No, trust the Lord. Well, when I have, when I get this kind of word, when they start announcing, no, trust the Lord. It's time to trust the Lord. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, that the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. We have to understand the fear of man may not just simply be impressing man, but it is the way that man operates. We live in this culture, and this culture has a message. And depending on how we receive it or how much of it we receive, we'll get caught up in the currents of culture. And the fear of man or trusting in man, or looking to man, the Bible says brings a snare. That word literally means to to impede your progress. That word snare could also be translated dangerous trap in the New Living Translation. It speaks of being entangled, being held back. And it's easy to be entangled and to be held back because that's exactly what a trap will do. When you choose to fear man, It holds you back from God's best in your life. We get caught up in something that keeps us stuck. And it's all rooted in our fearful emotions. So many times our greatest enemy is our self. It's inside of us. In Psalm 119 verse 50, it says, this is my comfort in my affliction. Your word has given me life. And let me just say at the outset, I recognize and acknowledge real fear. I recognize and acknowledge that when it comes to the year we've just come through, or perhaps it's not your biggest issue at all, but there is real fear. And in no way am I minimizing the reality of your medical condition or where you might be. Real fear is real fear. But even with real fear, you want to learn to take that fear to the Lord. You want to learn to saturate this difficult season in your life with prayer. To be a man or woman of God's word. Because fear will absolutely rob you of your faith and trust in God. Fear is not to be nurtured and coddled. It's to be dealt a death blow by believing God and trusting him moment by moment. I found a quote It's very good. It's by Harry Fosdick. And let me quote him. He says, fear imprisons, faith liberates. Fear paralyzes, faith empowers. Fear disheartens, but faith encourages. Fear sickens, faith heals. Fear makes useless, faith makes serviceable. And most of all, fear puts hopelessness at the heart of life while faith rejoices in its God, end quote hopelessness. There's no way out. And I have learned over the years that knowing and experiencing and abiding in the love of God casts out all fear. Abiding in Christ, 
Such love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Here in Exodus chapter 14, we have a group of people that have just been miraculously delivered. And when I say a group of people, I mean millions, families, men, women, boys, girls, babies, grandmas, grandpas. We, we have a nation delivered out of bondage and slavery from the nation of Egypt under the hand of Pharaoh. I mean, get it this way. They have been crying out, crying out, crying. Remember how Paul cried out three times for the thorn in his fresh flesh to be removed? And the answer was no. Well, here we have a nation that's been crying out, crying out, crying out, crying out. And the answer from God was yes. And he raises up a man by the name of Moses. And Moses is sent as a deliverer of God's people. And he stands before Pharaoh, even though he's afraid, and even though he's concerned, and even though he has a speech impediment, all of his weaknesses, he stands in the authority of God, and he looks the leader of the known world in the eye and says, let my people go. And eventually, after the plagues, after the judgments of God, he lets them go. He actually expels them, Pharaoh does, and they're gone. And as they leave Egypt, and you begin to look at how they were led, the route that they took, you could come to the conclusion that God led them into a trap. There were a lot of more convenient ways to leave Egypt than the way that God led them. And they are stuck. As we pick up the story in verse 10, this large nation is stuck. I mean, and think about it, it's just it's millions of people. There, there are, this is a large group of people that are stuck at the Red Sea. So, so they, have, they have traveled, they're excited, they've celebrated, they come to the Red Sea, and they are, it's impassable. And to the left of them and to the right of them are these, what we would call, what they call mountains, but they're more like hills. And, and don't think of the children of Israel just a couple people running away. Like it would, even this amount of people in this room would take a long time to run away as a group, you know? So you can't get to the left or to the right because they're surrounded with mountains, Red Sea in front of you, mountains on either side of you. And when they peek back over their shoulders, the Egyptian army, the best of the best, is now coming after them. I think Pharaoh comes to, to the conclusion, you know, I've lost my workforce. This was a bad choice. I should have never let them go. And now he's going to bring them back. Pick up with me in verse 10. Exodus chapter 14. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were, and mark these words, very afraid. They were very afraid. Was it okay for them to be very afraid here, church? Yes or no? Of course. This is a natural response. They're stuck. They're trapped. They can't go forward. They can't go to the left or to the right. When they look to go a different way, the Egyptians are after them. They're very afraid. They lift up their eyes, and what do they see? The Egyptians. They're very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. We'll pause there just for a second. Because if you read this section like, you know, with Christianese and a Christian attitude, you might think, wow, they're very afraid. Wow, they cried out to the Lord. That's what they should do. And you might even interpret it like, well, Lord, save us. We trust you. We love you. Everything's going to be fine because they cried out to the Lord. But we're going to read in a moment, I don't think that's what happened. I think they're just desperate. 
I think, oh no, what's going to happen to us? And there, there is a desperation, if you could think of it, as rolling through the group. And they're just throwing up their hands. And we know that they're upset. How do we know that? Because notice what they said to Moses in verse 11. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Seriously? This is what they cried out for day after day after day. And now that they have received their answer to prayer, and it has become rather difficult, they change their minds. And how careful we need to be when we become fearful not to change our minds about who God is. It was not better for them to be in Egypt, ever. It was not better for them to be in the position that they were. It wasn't even God's will as he delivers them. This is the time for them to move on. This is the perfect timing of God. But because of fear or them being very afraid, they turn on their leader and they regret the work of God in their lives. Two things you want to watch out for in your life. And let me just say, if you serve God in any way, you can expect to be treated like Moses is being treated here. They're mad, they're fearful, they're upset, and they complain and murmur to Moses. It's almost like they said, man, who are you? We don't want you anyway. What kind of leader are you? Give us someone. We want to go back to Egypt. How could you do this to us? It's all your fault. And unfortunately, poor Moses, this is going to be the rest of his life until he dies to be with God himself. He's going to deal with the murmuring and complaining of this group because this becomes a pattern in their life. I wonder if it's a pattern in your life too to murmur and complain about things that God has obviously allowed in your life and to be upset because things aren't going the way you want them to go or to be upset because it's uncomfortable and, and it's difficult and it's hard. So then you cry out to the Lord, but it's not a real submitted prayer. And then you get mad at everyone around you, perhaps even your leaders. There's only one thing to do with fear and anxiety, and that's to repent. Otherwise, if you just say, well, I heard your message, Ed, and, and I'm just not going to be fearful anymore, that's not going to be possible. You, you want to learn, you've got to repent from being controlled by fear and anxiety. And, and look to God and say, forgive me, God, for not trusting you with my life. For not trusting the people you put in my life to lead me and guide me, to help me understand how to follow you. Because unless you repent, you'll just keep going in the same pattern, same pattern, same pattern, until ultimately you hurt yourself. And you refuse. I mean, really, this is the problem. As they're complaining and murmuring against Moses, they're responding from the panic that they're feeling. And their eyes lifted up, they saw the Egyptians. And that's the way it is. When your eyes are lifted up and all you do is see your problems and difficulties... And all you do is see how, you know, how you would change it. It's, it's such a, we got, we, we cop such attitudes in life, you know? It's like, well, you know, if I was in charge, I would. Well, you're not in charge. So now you are put in a position to follow someone that is in charge. And that rubs us the wrong way. 
And we get upset with the people in charge. We get upset with God. And before you know it, we become a God unto ourselves. We get involved in idolatry. Instead of just trusting God, I look at this, I look at this difficulty with what we have been going through in the last year or so and how challenging it's been. But in some cases, you look at the church today and you think, man, doesn't anybody believe in the sovereignty of God anymore? That God is going to use difficult circumstances to purify his church, to change us and to move us and to prepare us for what's up ahead. And God has allowed difficult things into our lives. And I don't believe they're going to get less difficult. I don't, you know, you're kind of like, oh man, it's so good. We got through it. Let's get on with whatever's normal. Normal's gone. God's doing a new thing in your life. He wants to stir you up. He wants to bring you to a place from glory to glory and strength to strength. And how careful we need to be not to be upset with God, to be upset with our leaders. I have never seen the church at large, not so much our church, although it has come through, but I've never seen the church at large so divided and so upset with one another. Where our reputation in the community as a church, the church, has become just, oh, that's that angry group of people that are mad all the time. Where's the gospel? Where's the good news? Where is the offensive message that you are a sinner and you need the forgiveness of your sins that only comes through the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection? We get so caught up in other things. And could it be the root is fear? Fear of losing something? Fear of losing comfort, fear of, of comfort and ease, losing privilege. We haven't lost the Lord. We haven't lost his mercy and his grace. He's faithful to us. I'll tell you, this is the commitment that we've made as a church. We've made a commitment to keep your eyes on the Lord. And as we do that, there are challenges. There are difficulties. Notice the answer uh, in Exodus 14. Come back with me in verse 13. Here's Moses' answer to this complaint. He says, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see no more forever the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Well, let me paraphrase Moses' answer for you. Let me put it into some familiar words. Stand still. Shut up. And see the work of God. I mean, that's really what he's saying. Be quiet. Don't stop murmuring. Stop complaining. The more you talk, the less you can hear the voice of God. It's what we read in the psalm, isn't it? Be still and know that I am God. Because here's what happens in fear and anxiety. You know what happens? We try to control things. Some people become super frantic. And they're going to control this and control this. Why? Well, because it gives you a sense of comfort. If you have some control in an uncontrolled situation, it gives you comfort. The problem is it's not real comfort at all. Because you're not trusting in the Lord. You're trusting in your own resources. So if I can handle this and I can take care of this, then I feel a little bit better. But you're really not going to the source of, the, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, I was just reading this morning, the God of all comfort. True comfort comes from him, not from our little schemes. 
Not from us trying to work things through and trying to fix this over here. He says, just stop. Stop. Quiet down. And get your eyes back on the work that God is going to do for you today. Today. God is at work today. That we are not stuck. He's basically telling them we're not in a trap. We're not stuck. And you could say, the text doesn't say this, but, but from the overview, the context, Moses doesn't even know what's going to happen yet. He's just speaking faith to a faithless people. Let me just say, those of you that have a lot of faith, we need you to speak to us with your faith. We need your faith. We, we need you to be more active those of you that have faith. It's really unfortunate, you know, the faith movement. There's a segment of the church that has got really weird false teaching. It's known as the faith movement, the prosperity gospel. And it's too bad because the pendulum, people want to run so far away from that teaching that the pendulum swings where we don't even talk about faith anymore. Listen, faith is very important. Faith comes from God. God strengthens your faith. He encourages your faith. And when faith comes out from your life, you encourage us. And we need you men and women of faith. We need you at the prayer meetings praying faith. We need you when we're singing. We don't want to sing. We need you to sing louder. We need you to be, we need your faith. We need your faith. Did I make that point? You guys hear it out on the radio. We need your faith. We really do. We need you to walk by faith. Because there are seasons in our lives when we are faithless. Right? The Bible says even if we are faithless, God remains faithful. But one of the ways we're reminded of the faithfulness of God is from guys like Moses that says, look, just stop it. Stop it. You're acting irrational. You're freaking out here. I know that there's even a good reason for them to be afraid. I know that. You know that. But your response to it, you're freaking out. You're acting like you don't have a God. You're acting like you don't have a God. And I see that in the church today especially with this whole thing of the pandemic. Because we as a leadership team have prayed, we've sought the Lord, and you know, you know that we took a more conservative approach in all the decisions that we've made for a lot of different reasons. But we believe, first of all, it was from the Lord. We, we wanted, we wanted, we, we had a phrase that, that we agreed upon early on that we were, gonna, we were gonna respond to this in the long game. Because this is, gonna, this is gonna last for a while and then it's gonna go away. And when it does go away, what will be the entirety of our testimony in our community? And I wanted to, I believe the Lord wanted, and I agree with him, that God wanted our testimony to be one where we thought of others more highly than ourselves. That we would be able to look someone in the eye now that things are winding down. And now these questions are coming up. Well, what does your church do? What does your church believe? How did you guys handle it? What are you guys doing? And you can look them in the eye and say, I'll tell you what. Well, we took a conservative approach and, and, and we had distance for a while. And we had face covering for a while. And we followed those things. Why? For you. For you. And you can even add for those of you that need to add. And I didn't like it at all. Because I didn't like it. It was very challenging. I didn't like some of the things that were being pressed upon us and being required of us, but that's, that's even better news if you didn't like it because then you're following in the footsteps of Jesus when he said to deny yourself. And you can actually have a testimony in your community. You know, I learned to deny myself for you. For you. Even whatever you believe about it. It doesn't even matter. We don't, we don't need to champion our opinions. 
We just need to share the gospel where Jesus gave himself far greater than some of the restrictions that we had. But I'll tell you, as, I, as we tried to lead the church, it's been very challenging and very difficult. It's like, keep your eyes on the Lord. Yeah, but Ed. And then there was some political answer, some opinion. Oh, Ed, we got to do something and you can't do this and they're doing this to us and on and on the list. And besides all the YouTube videos that people sent me, during this time. I'm sure it was well-meaning, but like I, I eventually just said, stop sending them. Usually the email would be something like, you know, Pastor Ed, I just watched this two-hour YouTube video. Can you watch it and tell me what you think? No, I don't have two hours to watch your YouTube video. Some dude, I don't even know who it is. How do you have two hours for that? Like, I don't care what their opinions are. Well, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy, this, whatever. I'm going to follow that guy, Jesus Christ. That's who I'm going to listen for. And I want to learn to hear his voice. I want to take my cue from the Holy Spirit. And God is calling his church. Like, like you, you, can't, you, you can't ever expect this world to like the church. You know that, right? The church is hated by culture. They hate the church. You and I, we're the church. Who, who, who would love to hear their sins exposed? Who would love to hear their faults and failures and their eternal damnation for separation from God? Who wants to hear that? The, the, the Bible tells us, Jesus said that they're gonna hate you, why? Because they first hated me. So there's no way that we're gonna ever be accepted. That The world doesn't ever, never in a million years think the church is essential, ever. But God does, God cares. So rather than declaring it and trying to, like, just do it. Just be the church. Live out your faith, even if you have to deal with the difficulties. You know, because everyone in the world deals with difficulties. You know that. Everybody does. Everyone has to deal with issues and situations. And, and you want to have people in your life not only speaking faith, but telling you to get your eyes back on the Lord. You're going to see something. You're going to sense something. I'll tell you what. You're, you're either going to see the Egyptians or you're going to see God, but you're going to see something. And depending on what you focus on will be the dependent upon your direction of your life, the fruitfulness of your life. And I love what Moses didn't do. He didn't try to explain it to them. He didn't try to reason with them. He just said, stop it. This is enough. Stop, stand still, be quiet. God's going to do something. Well, Moses, what's he going to do? I don't know. But I'll tell you, he'll never, ever experience what God's going to do when you're worried about the Egyptians. When you're carried around by the, when the Egyptians, when, when the world shapes your narrative, then you're going to miss out on the work of God in your life. Because God's doing a work. And the long game is even longer than what we expect. Because I don't know, I don't know why the church, many believers act like they don't know what the Bible says. The Bible says that in the end times, perilous times will come. Things will get harder and darker and more challenging. And I guess the big surprise for all of us is that we just, we knew that was coming. We just didn't think it was going to be in our lifetime. We didn't think we'd see the perilous times, but I, every successive generation for the coming of the Lord has seen something worse and worse and worse. Just stand still. You know, in times of difficulty, we, 
We want to have an explanation. I was talking to a brother uh, yesterday, actually, on the, on the freeway back from the airport. You know, I had a long hour drive. It was a 10-minute drive, but it took me an hour on the freeway in Southern Cal. So I'm on the phone, uh, which is a great thing to do when you're stuck in traffic. Just go on the phone. And I'm talking to a young man who's grown up to be uh, a young man. He, his family moved here many, many years ago, was a part of a church, our church for a while. He was just a little guy back then. And then they moved back to California. And now he's a young man, and he's going through great fear and anxiety. And he heard I was in California. He says, hey, can we meet? And I said, no, I'm not able to meet, but I'll talk to you. And so we called. We talked. And as I'm sharing with him the word of God and encouraging him in the Lord, that there would be, seem like there'd be this progress and then there would be this, yeah, but I just don't understand what God's doing. That would be a phrase. And then I'd answer it and then we'd go through another progress, but I just don't understand what God's doing. And then we'd have progress and on the third or fourth time I'd go, look, I don't know what God's doing either. I don't know. I, I don't know. He, he may have led you to this very place, but I don't know. But I do know this. He is faithful. He is faithful and you can trust him. And, and, even without, and, and even if I could explain it to you, I said, even if I could tell you exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it, that would not satisfy you because then you'd be mad at God for doing it that way. And so you, you have to remember that we don't live by explanations. We live by faith. And we trust God even if we're trapped. Because you were going to find out in a moment that the trap wasn't for the children of Israel as much as it was for the Egyptians and how he was going to make his name known. God was still in control. He hasn't forgotten you. And there are just times in our lives where things are not as they seem. Yes, you see it right. Red Sea in front of you, mountains on the side of you, an enemy chasing you. Those are all right observations. Just be careful to come to the right conclusion. Right observations need to lead us to the right conclusion. Otherwise, we'll freak out and we'll make mistakes that we don't want to really make. God is wanting to bring you into a new relationship with himself. God is wanting you to learn to trust him completely. Even though you can't see any possible solutions, you can't see a way out, and you're convinced that it's over. God wants to show you he is able to make a way when there is no way. God wants to show you he's not limited by man's resources or by your own limited capacities. He wants to show you that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that you can think or ask. And God wants you to learn the value of being his child. Right, Because everybody faces trials and difficulties, but the child of God faces them differently. It's different for a son or daughter of God. Nothing is wasted by God. All things are worked together by God for good for the child of God. And he wants you to learn that. He wants it to be a part of your testimony. If God be for you, who can be against you? Even when the enemy comes chasing after you, wanting to destroy you and keep you in bondage and slavery, messing with your head, messing with your life. And he's chasing after, you know, the Bible describes the devil like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. Well, even when the roaring lion shows up, you're introducing him to the lion of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus will take care of your enemies. Listen, listen, listen. God will let us come to a place which is seemingly a trap and he'll allow us to become boxed in. 
Certainly that's the testimony for some today. He does allow that, sometimes even leading us there for his own purposes. To a place where there seems to be no human way of getting out. Why? So we could trust, learn to trust and not in our own human resources. Because when I'm at the end of my resources, there's no need to fear because God is going to see me through. He is my all-sufficient, almighty God who is able to deliver me from any trap the enemy might seek to ensnare me and might lay before me. Moses doesn't explain. He just says, get your eyes back on the Lord. And that's what you'll have from the leadership here, from the pastors, the leaders. We're going to keep pointing you to the Lord. And hopefully we'll be speaking words of faith into you. I know when fear and anxiety knock on my door, I know that I just need people to speak words of faith into my life. Just remind me of the faithfulness of God. Remind me that I might be seeing things properly, but I'm at the wrong conclusion. That God is faithful. And I I think we can do that to ourselves too. I mean, if you're going to be stuck with yourself, then speak the word of God to yourself. Open it up and pray. Because I know that you can look back in the history of your life and see God's faithfulness. I, can, I know you can look back and say, God got me out of this, 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 and he's brought me to it is to the, where I am today. And if he's been faithful in the past, he's going to stay faithful because we learned already that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God's going to remain faithful. It, it may not be the way you desire. It may not be the way you want to feel. It may not be everything that, may, maybe you got caught up in things that have nothing to do with the things of the Lord. It's like, well, you're, you're, on the, you're on the track to get the American dream, and God never promised the American dream. He promised you his son and the forgiveness of your sins, and he promised you eternal life, and he promised to use you if you present yourself to him, and he promised to care for you, and he promised to provide for all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're just on the wrong track is why you're so frustrated and upset. And you're just caught up in things that the Lord's trying to reevaluate and re- for you to reevaluate and reassess where you are. Because notice now, come back to Exodus as we close. It says in verse 15, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, so that I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Whoa, 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 wait a minute there. Part of what God is doing here is that God says, I'm going to intervene. I'm going to, why? So I'm going to show the world that I am God. That's what God is doing in your life. You are able to be the salt and the light in a very dark world. Why? So that God can show himself to the world through you and me. That's powerful. So he's going to deliver them so he can show them. Verse 18. Then the Egyptians shall know that I'm the Lord. I've gained honor. Verse 19. And the angel of the Lord who went before the camp of Israel moved. (laughs) Isn't that great? God's going to move. You can look for the movement of God. And he went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, but it gave light and night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all night. So that's the protection of God. 
putting a barrier between the children of Israel and the Egyptians. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. All the Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots, on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh and came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. God dealt with the enemy thoroughly. God deals with the enemy thoroughly. Verse 29, and the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. The waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and the Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And thus Israel saw a great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Here's the thing. God does what he's going to do whether you trust him or not. Like you can be all messed up and all freaked out and God's still going to do what he said he's going to do. The question is, are you going to enjoy it? Are you going to cooperate with him? Are you going to enjoy the faithfulness of God? And the miracle here is not just the splitting of the Red Sea. And it's not just dealing with the enemy. One of the miracles here that often gets overlooked is that these guys passed over on dry ground. Because I can think of you planners here as you're planning it out. And God says, okay, this is how you're going to get through. You're, I'm going to split the waters for you. And instead of going, oh man, that's amazing, God, you're God. But wait a minute, wait a minute. If you split the waters, it's going to be muddy. How are we going to get through the mud? I'm not sure. And what are we going to, and it's not, how wide is it going to be? I want it to be so, if God was starting to tell you what to do, you'd go, no, it's not enough. It's not enough. Instead, you just look to him and he takes care of it all even on dry ground. Go back today and read through Exodus 14 and just write down how many times dry ground is mentioned. That's an important part. Exceedingly abundantly above a wall you can think or ask. And this wasn't on the plan. This wasn't the plan. Nobody knew what God was gonna do. This was what God chose to do. And it's only when we learn to stand still that we're able to go forward. Sometimes we're standing and we should be moving. Sometimes we're moving and we should be standing, but the Spirit of God will lead us and guide us in a straight path to do what he's accomplished, what he wants to accomplish in our lives. God deliberately led them to this place. It was deliberate on God. Sometimes he allows it. This one, he deliberately led them to this place. He did it so that his name might be glorified in the land, that the reputation of the children of Israel, the God of the children of Israel would be strong that the nations would know of his great power and strength. And it worked. The Red Sea would be on everybody's mind going forward. 
It's not like everyone got saved and not like everybody, but there was that gal, remember, in Jericho who had heard about the faithfulness of God. And when she met the people of God, it connected. And her and her household were saved, partly because of this situation here. You know, I think each one of us are going to pass through many traps in our own lives. We're stuck and afraid. There's real fear and anxiety, I know. But it's so significant that Jesus would even tell us, don't worry. I've got it all taken care of. One of the things that shocks me about my own personal walk is that I really do, with all of my heart, believe that God has saved me changed me, and I will live eternally with him forever. I do. I see it. I live, the, I live that experience. I believe God for the salvation of my soul. But there are so many little things in my life that I simply don't believe God for, that I'm weak in my faith, where a situation comes and I'm just like, oh no, what's going to happen? How is it going to be? And, and I'm like the children of Israel here. I might be the only one in the room dealing with that. Yeah? No? It's like, man, we need to find another pastor, honey. <laughs> Faithless man. But I also have seen over the years, God's faithfully bringing me to a place where he can show himself strong. Where he'll bring me to the end of all of my resources, all of my thinking, everything that I might have figured out and bring me to a place. You know what? We just need to trust God here. And we need to trust God. It's one of the things that, that I've seen in this past year, in this past difficult season for us as a church and the role of leadership in my home, in the church, with the wonderful team that I have, that I get to serve with. I've just learned to trust in the Lord. We, don't need, we didn't know from day to day what we were dealing with. We didn't know from day to day what we were handling. We didn't know what we would be facing. We just know that God loves his people and we want to serve his people well. And the best way that we can serve you is to keep your eyes on the Lord. And many people were not happy with us. And they go, well, you know what? If you're not a church like this and this and this, then we're going to go to this other church. And I've always encouraged you, if this isn't the right church for you, go to another one. You need to be in a place where you will fruitfully live your life for the gospel of Jesus Christ, where you need to trust the leadership and you need to trust the men and women that God has put in your life. And if a better fellowship is going to serve you to be more fruitful in the kingdom, I'm all for fruit in the kingdom. I'm all for fruit in the kingdom of God working in your life because the time is short and the coming of the Lord is at hand. And this is a time for the church to be in unity, to come together in strength of the Holy Spirit, to strive to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Strong singles, strong marriages, strong families, strong churches God uses in the last days. And that's his desire for us as a church. At the end, you'll see that God is faithful as we come to a close here and the worship team comes up. God has revealed to me his love and his concern and his power through difficult times. He has developed my faith and my confidence. I, I know that weakness only gives opportunity for God's strength to be made perfect. He leads me into these places so I can realize that he is faithful. I can realize that he's not limited by me or my limitations that his resources are infinite. In Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. 
Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the promise of God to his people. God is going to see us through because we put our trust in him. And the enemy that keeps harassing us, keeps coming after us, for so long is the one really being led into the trap. As you're following God and looking to him, the enemy that's chasing after you is going to have to deal with God. And he's going to have, they're going to have to face God. And maybe God today has drawn you here just so that you can know the power of God to deliver in order that you might commit your life to him and experience his power yourself. The very circumstances that have more or less pushed you, trapped you, and boxed you in are the very circumstances that God has ordained because he didn't want you to rely upon yourself anymore, but upon his hand, his power to set you free. And as you look at things differently, you won't be overwhelmed by irrational responses to real fear and real anxiety, but you'll learn to trust in the Lord. Amen? Amen. So Father, we do want to learn to trust in you. We know that a Bible study is not going to solve all our fear issues, but your presence will. Your presence will lead us and guide us and protect us. Your indwelling of us and your empowering us is all that we need to live life in a very fearful, difficult, upside-down world. And we know that even as things come and go, narratives come and go, opinions come and go, you remain the same. Your word is everlasting. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. And so we commend, we're committed to your grace and to the word of your grace today, God and just put a peace and a calm and a comfort upon your church that we might be people that are the salt and a light and we would be known by our love. We would be known by our care. We would be known by our compassion. We would be known by our empathy. We would be known by our service in action. And we want God to be delivered so that we might be a testimony to others in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.